whole month we have been dedicating it to the subject of prayer. And so today is going to be our last week on that particular subject. And then April we're going to um, change gears and do something else. But if you can remember back three weeks ago to week number one, we talked about the awesomeness, if that's a word, the awesomeness of God and how sinful man is. And it amazes me that God has made a way, us sinful beings, to be able to talk and to communicate to him. And that happened, of course, through his son, Jesus Christ. And then week number two, we looked at the Lord's Prayer, or what people call the Lord's Prayer. I call it the model prayer. And we kind of broke that down to see uh, how Jesus taught us how to pray. We are to pray for physical things. We are to pray for each other. We are to pray for forgiveness of sins. We are to pray for spiritual things. And so Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, and in doing so, taught us how to pray. And then last week, we looked at the ultimate communication that we have with God is the avenue of prayer. And so today, I have a question to ask. Are you serious about prayer? Or maybe the better word be, how serious are you about prayer? Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42 is going to be our launching point this morning. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42, and we'll just go ahead and read through the rest of the chapter there. But I'm sure you're familiar with verse 42. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. But verse number 42 is the verse I want to key on this morning. It says that they were steadfast. That word means devoted. They devoted themselves as the early church to four things. The Apostles' Doctrine, that's Scripture. The Breaking of Bread, that's the, the Lord's Supper. Fellowship. And then the last one is prayer. They devoted themselves. They continued steadfastly in these four specific areas. And we know how the church took off, don't we? From Acts chapter 2 on, the church just exploded from this point forward. And so I need to wonder, and I, I ask the question, how serious are you about prayer? Have you devoted yourself to this particular subject of prayer? Now, I know as a Christian over the years, I have sometimes did a very good job of praying, and sometimes I have failed miserably at prayer. It seems to be a cycle sometimes, and we have to break that cycle and really get serious 
about this subject. This is the only way that we can really communicate with our Heavenly Father is through prayer. We talked about that last week, that prayer is really a fellowship that we have with us and God. And so there are three things I would like to ask this morning or make a statement about this morning that may kind of get you thinking about, am I really serious about prayer? Number one, do I pray with the right attitude? Do I pray with the right attitude? Attitude means everything, doesn't it? When it comes to us worshiping God, our attitude is everything. But if you come here today with a stinking attitude, you had a big blow up with your wife this morning before you came here, you almost hit the dog coming out of the driveway, coming down the road, a black cat runs out in front of your car, and you're like, oh, do I keep going or do I go somewhere else? You finally get here, and you sing songs, you sing victory in Jesus, and you sing he has made me glad, but your face sure doesn't tell us that. You might as well just stay home today. Your attitude is extremely important when it comes to us worshiping God the way that he wants us to worship him. And that's the same way it is with prayer. If I pray to God with a wrong attitude, it's not going to do me any good, is it? If I go to God with the attitude that I am obligated to pray, well, I better pray today. I didn't do it yesterday, and I don't really feel like it today, but I probably should go ahead and throw something up there. You might as well forget it, right? It's all about attitude. We don't feel like we need to be obligated to pray. We shouldn't have a wrong or a bad attitude. God, I wish you would do something to so-and-so. Man, he's making me so mad I can just spit nails. I wish you would just send a big lightning bolt down and just smoke him in the pew. You probably shouldn't pray that prayer because you're having the wrong attitude about what you want God to do. And so our attitude is important. There's some things that we need to break down with our attitude. One of those is we first of all need to be humble, don't we? Again, that's what I was trying to impress upon you in week number one. God is an awesome, powerful uh, creator of the universe. And here we are as, as sinful beings, but yet God allows us to pray to him. So we ought to come to him with a humble spirit. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 5, Go back there with me to Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 5. This is Jesus talking. He is on the Sermon on the Mount. This is one of Jesus' sermons that we have recorded word for word. But Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites. Have a humble spirit about you. In fact, it would be best if you go into your closet and get on your knees and pray to God in your closet. You don't have to use big four or five syllable words when you pray to God. Just give God what's on your mind and heart and just pray to him and do so with just you and him. 
And that's the humble spirit that we ought to possess when we are praying and going to God. God, I don't deserve this. God, you are so much greater than I. God, I failed you several different times this week, and, and I come to you with a humble, contrite heart. That's what we ought to do. But when it comes to our attitude, we also can't be hypocritical. We can be a hypocrite, but expect God to still listen and answer our prayer. We can't live like the devil all week long, and then when Sunday or some other day, we ought to just, we, we think that God should answer our prayer. We can't live like the world. We can't get drunk on Saturday. We can't uh, smoke and drink and uh, watch porn and, and all the other things that the world is caught up in and expect God to listen and hear our prayers. We cannot be hypocrites. And Jesus even says that in Matthew chapter 6. Don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray out in public. They love to, to get on the bullhorn and just pray these big, magnificent prayers. But Jesus said it's not going to do them any good. They do it to be here, to be heard, and to be seen by men. And Jesus says they have their reward. They got what they wanted. But when it comes to God answering their prayer, it's just not going to happen. So we have to come to God with a humble spirit. We have to come to God and not with hypocritical thinking. Jim Book, he's a preacher from Florida, was over at Harlan this past week, and I watched his sermons on, online, and he said a word, I can't remember what it was, but my word for it, he called it, we can be a situational Christian. We can't be a situational Christian. In other words, when, it's, when the time is right for me to look and act and live like a Christian, I'll do it. But when the time isn't right, people won't know if I'm a Christian or not. We can't live that way, can we? And there's no better thermometer than that with, 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 is with your kids. Your kids see you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They know how you are not in this building. And so we need to live a life that is not a hypocritical life. It's not situational Christianity. We have to be a Christian 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, until we either kick the bucket or Jesus comes back first. We cannot be hypocrites and expect God to answer our prayers. My second point this morning, do you pray for the right people? Do you have the right attitude? Then my second point is, do you pray for the right people? We oftentimes pray, whenever we go to God, we oftentimes pray for ourselves, don't we? And there's nothing wrong with that. If we're having difficulties, we'll talk about this in a few moments. If we're having problems in our life, if there's something that's weighing heavy on us, yes, we should go to God in prayer about that. But there's more to prayer than just me, 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 me. And so are we praying for the right people? Jesus gave us, I think, the ultimate example of how we are to pray. In John chapter 17, go over there with me. In John chapter 17, we actually have a prayer that is prayed by Jesus, and it's recorded in John chapter 17. 
So again, if you're asking the question, how, how should I pray or, or what should I pray about? Well, let's see what Jesus did. Let's see what Jesus prayed for. Remember John chapter 17, Jesus is, if not the day of, the day before that he is going to be arrested and ultimately put on trial and killed for something that he did not do. The majority of the book of John is in the last week of Jesus' life. And so here we are in John chapter 17. Jesus knows what is going to happen. He knows what is going to take place very shortly after. And so the big question before us today is what did Jesus pray about? Well, we can see first of all that Jesus prayed for himself. He knew what he was going to go through. He says in verse number 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I have with you before the world was. Jesus, first of all, prayed for himself. He knew what he was about to go through. He knew the pain and the anguish and, and every single thing that he was about to go through. He knew what he was going to face. He prayed for himself. But we can see in verses 6 through 19 that Jesus then prayed for his disciples that were with him in the moment. He prayed for them. In verse number 6, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. That's the apostles. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. And so Jesus was praying now for his 12 followers. Those 12 men who were with him day in and day out for about three, three and a half years. Jesus even talks about in verse number 12 about that man that forsook him, Judas, the one that was going to be, uh, betray him. Jesus referred to him as a son of perdition. Jesus prayed for him. So Jesus prayed for himself. Jesus prayed for his followers. And then verses 20 through the rest of the chapter, Jesus prayed for you. Isn't that neat? Jesus prayed for us, the people that were going to believe, those people who uh, were not even born yet, not even thought of yet. Jesus prayed for us in verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, the 12, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus said, I pray for the apostles but I also want to pray for those people who are going to believe in me in the future because of those 12 apostles. So it amazes me that Jesus in his final moments, I know there wasn't verses back then when Jesus spoke this, but the first five verses, Jesus prayed about himself, and then the next 21 verses, he prays about somebody else. Are you praying for the right people? What kind of people are we to pray for? Well, James tells us in James chapter 5 and verse number 13 that we are to pray for the sick. Remember that? We'll be talking about the book of James tonight, one of my favorite books of the Bible. And so if you want to come and, and learn more about James, tonight's the night. 
But James tells us in James chapter 5, that last chapter, <clears throat> he says, Is anyone among you suffering? Anybody hurting out there? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up as if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But James says, listen, are you sick? Pray about it. Do you feel like you need more help? Call for the elders of the church. Call for people at church and ask them to pray for you. And we do that, don't we, with the... Uh, the prayer chain that we have. We can make a phone call and say, hey, pray for so-and-so. They have surgery this week. It's, it's extremely important. It's a long surgery. It's dangerous. Pray for this person. Do you pray for them? Or do you hear, it's funny when I call people for real, they won't say hello. They're expecting the, they're expecting the, the automated thing. They just sit there and they sit there. And I finally, hey, hello, anybody there? Oh, Brian, it's you. Yeah, it's really me this time. But when you get the prayer chain, do you actually listen to it? And then do you stop what you're doing and pray for that person? Or are you off into something else already? I've caught myself doing that. I have to deliberately stop everything that I'm doing and listen to that person telling me the problem. And I pray for them before I do the one call. We have to deliberately make time to pray for people. Otherwise, we forget about it, don't we? But James tells us if we are sick, we need to pray for that and ask other people to pray for us. I love what he says in the last part of verse 16, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. James is telling you, listen, brother, listen, sister, if you will pray, it will greatly benefit the church. I was looking at the prayer list this morning. There's about 30 names on there. Maybe the reason some people aren't being healed is because Christians aren't praying for them. I don't know. I'm just, that just came to my mind. Maybe we're not praying for the right people. Maybe we're praying for number one when we should be praying for those people around us, those people who really need that prayer. Yeah, we should pray for the sick. But do we also pray for the lost? That should be included in every prayer that we pray, shouldn't it? One reason why the early church grew the way that it did was because they were a people of prayer. Without exception, you can almost read almost with every chapter in the book of Acts that they were a praying people. When Peter and John were through in the prison and they escaped that, and Peter went to go knock on the door, what were they doing? They were praying about him. And the young girl opened the door, and she, was, she thought she'd seen a ghost, and she slammed the door, and she went back into the house. They were praying for Peter and John. Remember that? Man, are we praying for the right people? Are we praying for the lost? 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 tells us, that God wants every person to be saved. Let's go back there and read that. 1 Timothy 
<clears throat> excuse me, chapter 2 and verse number 3. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. For this is the good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants every single person to become a Christian and ultimately go to heaven. And so that should be our prayer as well, too. Even the person that you can't stand to be around, you should pray for them. Didn't Jesus tell us to pray for our enemies? He did, didn't he? And so even the person that you can't stand, you should pray for them. God, I, I hope that I can be an influence to them in a certain way and let them realize the importance of being a Christian. It's important that we pray for the lost. Do we truly have compassion for those people who are doomed and going to hell. I've mentioned this several times before, but I think we need to look at people not as people. We need to look at them as souls. That person is either going to heaven or hell. And maybe you can help them in some small way to get them on the right path to heaven. We need to pray for the lost. We also need to pray for workers. In Matthew chapter 9, go up there with me to the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 9, in verse number 37, Jesus talks about this. In Matthew chapter 9, in verse 37, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We ought to pray that God will send people out to preach and teach people about uh, Jesus Christ. We need to pray to God for more preachers. I can't think of a time in my life where there are less and less preachers than right, than right now. I think I could think of three or four congregations right now that are, don't have preachers. We need to pray that God will give us elders. For every congregation that we can think of, it takes two elders to be in that congregation. We need to pray for that. We need to pray for more workers. We need to pray that God will motivate us to be workers. Man, you guys have such a great influence on people around you and that you can be able to talk to them. If you don't believe me, just take out your phone, go to your contacts, and see how many people are in your contact list. 300? 500? 800? What's the number? Those are people you know. And you can talk to each and every one of them and tell them about Jesus. If every single one of us would just do that, man, it may have a great impact. The God, we need to pray to God that he put something in us to motivate us to want to do his will. Yes, we are to pray for ourselves. In James chapter 1 and verse number 5, James tells us, if any of us lacks wisdom, what are we to do? We're to ask God for it. That's a noble idea, isn't it? And I doubt that each 
and every one of us are at the point where we think we have achieved all the wisdom that we could ever achieve. James says, listen, if you're lacking something, whether it's wisdom or, or whatever it may be, if you're lacking something, ask God for it. Solomon did that, didn't he? God said, I'll give you whatever you want. And Solomon said, I just want wisdom. And so we need to ask for God for things in our own life so that we can be the person that he really wants us to be. Number three, are we praying with the right attitude? Are we praying for the right people? And are we praying the right amount of time? Now, there's no set thing in the Bible that tells us that we have to pray for 15 minutes a day or a half hour a day or, or an hour a day. There's no set time. But I have found out in my life that the things I truly value, I spend more time doing those things. Did you find that to be true with you? The things that you really think are important, family, for example, or your job or whatever, the things that you really think are important in your life, you spend the most time at that. And so are you spending the right amount of time when it comes to prayer? Daniel in the Old Testament, how many times a day did he pray? Prayed three times, didn't he? And even after he knew that there was a law that said, you shall not pray, Daniel said, I don't care. I'm going to go up to my second story window. I'm going to open up the window. I'm going to look towards Jerusalem. And I'm going to pray to the Almighty God. That didn't bother him a bit. Jesus, we can see, prayed early in the morning while it was still dark. He went by himself and prayed. And so that gives us an idea of how we need to pray. Sometimes it's good for us to go in our closet, as Jesus says in the book of Matthew, and just go in there and pray. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17, just, I think, three words. Pray without ceasing. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean I've got to be on my knees 24 hours a day? No, it doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that I should be willing to pray to God at any time. I should be able to have the attitude and the willingness that, listen, I can drop to my knees right now and I can pray to God and thank him or I can go to God and ask him, whatever the case may be. Pray without ceasing. So I would challenge you this morning. Maybe you do this. But I challenge you today... Spend a good amount of time every day, maybe a half hour, maybe 15 minutes, whatever that number is. Just spend a good chunk of your time each day and just get away from the world. Put your phone in a different room. Turn the TV off. Tell the kids to go outside. Tell your wife you're busy. And for the next 15 minutes, sit there and talk to God. And do whatever is on your heart and on your mind. Maybe you can take that bulletin that we talked about before. There's 30 names on there. I counted them this morning. Divide that by seven. That's what, four or five? No, five. It's about five names a day. Maybe you take five names every day off the prayer list and pray for those five people. If everybody in this room did that, we would be offering up to God prayer for those five people. But I challenge you today, find time in your busy schedule. We're all busy, but find time. Maybe you have to get up 
15 minutes earlier. Maybe you have to go to bed 15 minutes later. Whatever the case may be, find time to sit down with just you and your God and talk to him in prayer. Pour your heart out to him. Whatever the questions is, whatever the problem is, give it to God. I also encourage you to do this. Write down on a piece of paper what you prayed for. And then see, a week, two weeks, a month, a year, how God answered your prayer. You might be amazed. Boy, I just sure didn't think it would turn out that way. But I know that God knows best. So I encourage you. I challenge you today, take a time to pray, write down what you're praying for, and then see how God will answer your prayer. And I think you'll soon find out that maybe 15 minutes isn't enough. Maybe you'll soon find out that a half hour is not enough. Maybe you'll soon find out that praying three times a day just isn't enough. Remember, the things that you value the most is where you spend your most time. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you don't have that benefit that we have of being able to talk to God. And so the first thing you need to do is get yourself right with God. And I would, I would encourage you, I would plead with you, I would beg with you, I would do everything I can to get you to understand that you need to become a Christian. There is nothing better in the world than to do God's will. You have served yourself long enough. You've done what you wanted to do long enough. Now try God's turn. See what God wants you to do. So if you're not a Christian, I encourage you this morning to make that decision. If you need to come talk with me or come talk to